back to Swiping Sunday. I hope something great happens to you today. This week, I have Ari Tong on the episode to talk about dating apps, romantic relationships, and all relationships outside of that too, really. If you have followed the account once called Ari from Flutter on TikTok, then you'll know she needs no introductions, but since recording this episode, she has actually announced that after a year of growing a huge following being the spokesperson for this new dating app, she's moving on to something new in her career, which we'll have to be on the lookout for. Nevertheless, her insights, advice, and knowledge on dating is something I'm still so excited to share with you guys. She's not only sharing her opinion with us, but she has done a lot of research to back it up. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I have a feeling that you will too. So if you do, don't forget to let me know your favorite parts once you listen. I found you on TikTok, and I honestly just feel like I felt like I was getting advice from a friend. I feel like your demeanor and like your relatability is really what played a part in what made me like keep looking at your videos. So I'm definitely excited to share all of that with my audience. But for those who don't know you, so you serve a lot of just real talk, relationship advice, and even research. I noticed that you like cite some books in like psychiatrists and stuff like that. So your handle though is Ari from Flutter. Um, so could you actually, I downloaded the app just to like get a feel for it and like I'm single, so maybe I will use it obviously. Um, but could you tell me a little bit about what exactly Flutter is and how that came about? Yeah, of course. So Flutter is a dating platform. We were originally a Sunday only dating app and the original proposition was that we would work, we would open at 10 a.m. and then we would release all of your matches at 5 or 6 p.m. And then at 12, everything gets erased. And so this model, yeah, this model essentially kind of was designed to eliminate in-app ghosting, dating app inactivity, and essentially make it so that it's a live dating experience. And so we found that this was really effective in not only in having people initiate conversations, having people exchange phone, exchange phone numbers, but also kind of taking back dating for what it was originally, or mobile dating for what it was originally intended to be. And this business model is implemented into our current business model, which is a community-based platform. And so what we essentially decided to do was because of this TikTok advice I was giving and, you know, my boss, Teddy, or, or my co-founder, Teddy, basically said, you know, the idea of community from the videos I've been doing have kind of brought about a greater need to kind of centralize our approach and kind of look at how do we cater towards our audience? How do we cater towards people from all different walks of life? And this in mind kind of set the precedent for creating a community-based platform where we work hand-in-hand -hand with community leaders. And so what that means is not only are these people getting that Sunday-only dating app experience that we originally had, but we're working with them to bring dating and solutions to the very problems that that community might face when it comes to dating. So for example, we work with the ex-Mormon community, we work with the Bay Area King community, we work with vegans, we work with the LGBTQ plus community, we work with Wall Street, we work with um, different colleges as well. And so it's really about trying to reflect the diversity from different communities that come from all walks of life, but also make sure that we're we're promoting inclusion. So by working with those community leaders, we find solutions to, okay, number one, maybe it's that the pronouns or the language isn't reflective of their values or, you know, their morals or what, what it may be. And that's really important to us because you cannot speak on behalf of an experience that you've never even lived through, right? And so mm -hmm. for us, what that also meant was we could tackle a lot of those more niche dating apps that are out there or those niche communities that don't have representation. And something that's really important to me is that we're being allies to the LGBTQ plus community. And mm -hmm. a huge problem that exists with lesbians is that they'll go on apps like Bumble, Hinge, and Tinder, and these platforms are built for more heterosexual couples or, you know, yeah people who are, you know, straight. And so this in itself also makes it a incubator where a lot of heterosexual couples can go onto these apps and essentially try to recruit these like lesbians for, you know, 
of three-way. And so, sorry if that's like a little inappropriate for the No, podcast. totally fine. Okay, yeah. cool. cool. Um, and so, you know, this has been a, a huge and prominent problem within the online dating community for lesbians. And so, you know, that's really frustrating. And then on top of that, some dating apps ha- had to shut down those platforms because it's really expensive to run. And so, when we work hand in hand with these community leaders, we're giving them the solutions that they desperately need, but also protecting their values, protecting our users, but safeguarding security as well. And so essentially to bring it full circle, we're a dating platform that is trying to democratize dating and make it you know, accessible for everyone because finding love doesn't have to be a one size fits all solution. Yeah. And it never is. I mean, that's the whole thing. There's no, with the LGBTQ community and everything, I've been actually trying to reach out to some people that I want on my podcast as well, just to like spread, not even awareness, but just like talk about it because people who are straight, I'm straight and I don't, I'm not as knowledgeable as I can be. And dating sucks for me. So if there's not that option of like Bumble for LGBTQ or something like that must be even more frustrating. So that's really cool to hear. And one of the things that I actually, I mean, you already kind of admitted that you want to fix some of these issues in dating with the ghosting and in-app ghosting and things like that. One of my points that I wanted to make was there's such a huge gap in the number of matches you get versus the number of conversations and like dates you get. Yeah. So I haven't been on the apps recently. I'm just like kind of over it. So I downloaded Flutter literally like a week ago and I'm going to see how that goes. I'll definitely let you know. But I in the past have tried. Yeah. (laughs) I've in the past just tried like, all right, maybe if I only match with like three people a day or something, then I'll make sure that I talk to them and make sure that like I don't match with anyone else until we go on a date or something like that. Like, how do you suggest that people can like, do you think Flutter is going to help fix that? Do you have any suggestion of how or why this happens to so many people? Because I feel like everyone I talk to that's single, they're like, oh yeah, I have like 200 matches, but I'm not going on any dates. It's like, why? What is this? (laughs) Yeah. So there's actually some empirical and academic literature behind this phenomenon. So yeah. So what's happening here is that people, when they have an abundance of choice, where they have unlimited matches, they experience choice. They experience what scholars refer to as choice overload theory and decision fatigue. So choice overload theory is essentially the thing where if you have a certain, if you have too many like options in front of you, this creates decision fatigue and you're less satisfied with the choice that you ultimately settled on because in in the back of your mind, you know that there's so many more options. Yeah, exactly. And there was a study done at the University of Madison, Wisconsin, and they actually found, I think the sweet number is like 26 or 30, I forget. Um, But they found that there's this perfect number that for people that do experience choice overload theory versus people who don't actually have to experience choice overload theory. And when you have below, I think it's like 30, like I said, that's when you're more satisfied with your dating app matches and you don't tend to regret or have second thoughts about, oh, I could have picked this person. So essentially, you know, it's completely normal to go back to your original question. It's so normal to Mm. feel like you can't, like you're getting too many matches and you're not they're not going anywhere. Well, it's because you have so much access to everything that people are kind of, it's almost like you're kind of inconsiderate towards the other person. Yeah. We have so many options at our fingertips constantly. I've talked about this on other episodes. It's like, why would we choose? Like, why would we, why is dating hookup culture a thing? Because we allow, like we have the opportunity for it to be. And I don't always think that hookup culture is like the worst thing, but sometimes if you want that serious relationship, obviously, it gets in the way. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, something that I often talk about is that I really think the dating app interface or what, you know, in tech, they refer to UI slash UX is really just a projection of people's insecure attachments. And people are like, what do you mean by that? And, and so to preface for the audience, attachments mm-hmm. are, our attachment style is essentially how we bond to our primary caregiver or how we bond to our romantic partners. And insecure attachments take root when you have disorganized care or attention from a caretaker and so as a result you form these like anxious bonds or you form these in quote-unquote insecure attachments and so a lot of the time you know dating apps are developed to 
combat the needs or to fix the problem, quote unquote problem of, okay, there's not enough people that I have access to. I don't have enough choice, yada, yada. And so what this does is while it does increase access, it also becomes an incubator for toxic behaviors and also insecure attachments. And so a lot of emotionally unavailable people are actually really, really attracted to dating apps because the way that you know, something like an anxious avoided attachment might operate in a relationship is that they might give attention, but once someone wants to be vulnerable with them or they want to, you know, bond with that person or get to know that person, the anxious avoidant gets really vulnerable. And so as a result, they kind of withdraw. And so for, and so this is primarily reflective of that dating app experience. And so that's why these people keep going back to it. And, and also it just like, it's kind of the fault of the people who make the app because it essentially doesn't take into, it doesn't hold users accountable. Mm -hmm. It doesn't like take responsibility for the very problems that exist in relationships. And now we've had this glorified hookup culture as a result of dating apps and no one is talking about it. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like it's become a meme and a joke. And if anything, the psychological effects that happen as a result of having such negative experiences is that we develop disorganized attachments. And so what this is, is this is kind of in, in child psychology, they refer to this in context of child removal. And it happens to abuse victims. It happens to, or it takes root in abuse victims. It takes root in more unfavorable um, upbringings or threatening or just, you know, terrifying upbringings. And, you know, it's, you can't make choices for yourself as a kid. You can't, you know, you develop more, you're very anxious in relationships as a result. And there's a lot of literature that's developing around the disorganized attachment but my theory is that because of this hot and cold behavior, because of all these negative experiences, we are actually developing disorganized attachments as a result. I may sound like I have a tinfoil hat on, but that's what oh. I Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, have, did you go to school for psychology or anything? Or you just, I know you read so many books I saw on TikTok, <laughs> but like, I need to read the books that you're reading. So I was just wondering if that's like a part of it. Cause I told, it totally makes sense. Yeah, I, so I read a lot of books, but also I listen to a lot of podcasts. I watch a lot of YouTube videos. And, you know, if you look up on just like do, doing a quick Google search, the one thing I will caution you though, is when you try to learn about disorganized attachment, Google will tell you like a lot of the top searches are, you know, disorganized attachment. There's not a lot of studies done about it because it's about childhood abuse victims. But the thing is, is that researchers have found that it, it applies to a broad range of contexts. So that's why they don't use it in terms of childhood removal anymore, I would say. Mm. Don't quote me on that, actually. No, but, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, but I essentially read a lot and it kind of gives me a basis for understanding. Podcasts, YouTube videos are a great way to go. So, Do you think that there's something that we can do if we're downloading Flutter or anything like that, like that would maybe help us do better or refrain from having those toxic habits continue? Yeah. So I actually recently just talked about this in a video. And I think that, you know, when you ordinary, when you match with someone on a dating app, you're going to ask about the basic questions, such as your family, your friends, your job, whatever. Mm -hmm. But that chemistry, so when you, that period where you're chatting with users is really crucial because you're getting to know them and trying to see the chemistry between the both of you. And if you guys can have a conversation that doesn't necessarily mention, oh, like it briefly mentions like family, friends, whatever, but you guys are feeding off of each other, that is a great indicator that you guys will have long-term chemistry. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I kind of tell a lot of people because they'll spend a lot of time, you know, justifying, oh, should I give this person my number? Should I, you know, basically see how things are working? But I think that we need to realize when we are going back into the dating landscape, you know, if it's not a fuck yes, it's a fuck no. And if you don't feel comfortable giving someone your number, you don't have to give it to them. Yes. If you are vibing with someone and you like where things are going, give them your number. But honestly, like, I think a lot of the time for women, especially, we feel like we have to do something, we have to justify the fact that we're being mean or, you know, we're not being nice. But in fact, like, I think it's okay 
to, you know, you don't have to give someone your contact information. Yeah, of course. So that's my biggest advice is kind of really use that time to really gauge if you're, you have that chemistry with that person. And if you're not feeling it, you're not feeling it. Don't force yourself to do anything, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And that quote, if it's not a fuck yes, it's a no. That is my favorite. Do yes. you know Serena Kerrigan? No, I don't. She posts that all the time. That literally just solved my problems. In your head, if you just think that way, if yep. it's not a fuck yes, it's a no, you're going to be so much less stressed about everything. Yep. You're like, wait, I don't really need this. I don't really want this. And that's, I mean, you listen to your gut. That's what you need to do. Do you have any advice to someone who's downloading it before I also just wanted to go into some of your TikToks, of course, but having the right intention, I think is important too. Yeah, hundred percent. I think that, I think there's a lot of pressure when you do get back on dating apps. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, I need to find my next partner. And, you know, I feel kind of rushed because this is a live dating experience. What I do want to say is that if you aren't feeling it, if you don't get any matches, that's totally fine. You know, not at, like there are weeks where I don't get matches and I'm mm-hmm. completely fine with that. And I think that we put so much unnecessary pressure to find a new partner when in reality it's like, enjoy the process. Yeah. 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 Enjoy the process a hundred percent and just give yourself the grace to kind of, you know, go at your own like pace, not risk pace. Um, so yeah, (laughs) one thing that I would say, um, I think that's a good thing. Okay. One of the TikToks that was my favorite was the relationship check-ins. So, because I'm also very vocal about always being on the same page is like very important for any relationship. And it's almost better to over communicate obviously than under, but I think we're all just scared of being vulnerable or being annoying or needy because that's what we're, I feel like society has just taught us like, Oh, as women, especially like if you keep asking for things or if you keep checking in or, or you're overthinking, like, well, if you are overthinking, just voice it and then you can fix it kind of thing. So you had a TikTok about relationship check-ins. Can you just explain that and how you think that that will help people and like what exactly you did? Because I, I remember you said um, you used it in your last relationship and it helped you guys a lot. Yeah. So relationship check-ins are kind of, it's, you can, you can do relationship check-ins. I will say like frequ- the frequency of it can either be one to two weeks. Um, and what these things are is it's not necessarily checking in about long-term goals or big picture things. Cause I think that when we think about a check-in, it's almost like a checkup at the doctor where mm-hmm. you're checking in on your health. You're checking in on like an objective overview of yourself. Right. And Instead, what these relationship check-ins do is they serve as a way to check in on the subjective. So it's checking in about, oh, what is your schedule like in the next two weeks? Do you want to see me more or less in the next two weeks? Do you want to, do you, what is the frequency of, you know, sex that we're having? Um, or is there something that's going on in your life or at work that might be impacting you at home? You know, are you checking it? Are you, you know, making progress on your goals? You know, it's essentially a really good way to communicate about the little things because in my last relationship, we were long distance partial. We were kind of long distance. I was in Santa Barbara. He was in SF or San San Francisco. Um, And that's like 330 miles away. And so you have to talk and communicate a lot. And so this essentially, because I would come home pretty frequently, this essentially set the precedent for communication in our relationship. And it helped us avoid fights. We actually never argued. We never fought. And it cleared up things that people just tend to blow up over. And I think that a lot of the time, a very like common thing with people is, oh, I'm really busy at work. I can't talk right now. And then the partner tends to feel neglected. But if you communicate, you know, every two weeks or every, yeah, yeah, and just be like, hey, I have this huge deadline coming up. This is what's happening. You know, I, I, I want you to expect this to happen. Mm-hmm. They already know. And another really critical part about relationship check-ins that I always try to implement is, you know, asking, was there a moment of miscommunication in the in the last two weeks? And so during that those two weeks that you know, between the last check-in and the most up-to-date, I don't know how to mm-hmm. that. Yeah, the most recent, yeah. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. Um, you can record a lot of what's happening because you know what questions to expect. Mm-hmm. And so you're looking out for these things in your relationship. And so by taking note of the miscommunication, whether it's, 
I didn't really like the way you talked to me in that situation, or I didn't really appreciate the fact that in public this happened. Mm -hmm. You can take note of it. You guys have a set time every Sunday, whatever day it may be, to just talk, like sit down and have a civil discussion about it. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is so crucial for relationships because I feel like it's almost romanticized when your partner like reads your mind or just knows, but that's not yes. the reality. Yeah. It's, oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's not the reality. And, you know, it makes me really happy to hear that you think that communication is really important because oftentimes fights occur because there's miscommunication. And, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, everyone just wants to have a happy, loving relationship. Mm-hmm. but when you both have the same interests but different approaches, that's where the conflict comes in. And I think by that by communicating and also laying the framework for common ground is the best way to go instead of yeah. being it's my way or the highway or not even communicating about the issues. So yeah, I agree 100%. And I think the little things end up becoming or being adding up to the big things anyway, whether they're good or bad. I'm always also talking about like a little note in the morning can make someone's day for the next like two weeks. Like those little things, also the negative ones can end up changing someone's week, month, whatever it is. When you implemented that in your last relationship, is that something that like your boyfriend was or significant other um, was on board with right away? Or was it something you kind of like talked about? Because I feel like a lot of women would probably be like, oh, my boyfriend's not going to want to do that. Yeah, he was on board with it right away. And that's nice. Yeah. And I I got really lucky. And I think that, you know, instead of, I think what, what people need to realize is that if your partner isn't willing to be open to that, that is a red Not the right partner. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the thing. If they're not going to be vulnerable, like there's so many conversations around, oh, well, my partner won't do this and that. Then if that's what you want or need, then leave. Like it's not something you have to compromise on, especially these very like just you're not asking for much. You're asking for a conversation. It's so ridiculous to me. A hundred percent. And, you know, something so that that TikTok video was very contentious because a lot of people were like, People don't want to like communicate. And then one of the funny comments was like, oh, so a scheduled fight every two weeks. I'm like, <laughs> my God. That's uh, a problem in your relationship, girl. <laughs> yeah. Like, and here's the thing is that people always think, oh, like, you know, I, I don't want to communicate or my partner doesn't want to communicate, yada, yada. But if anything, it kind of shows that this is a really fundamentally deep rooted issue. In issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah that we're not communicating, that we're not being honest. And I think that I have come to appreciate it when people are just upfront with me mm-hmm. instead of just being passive and or trying to be polite. Because at the end of the day, you know, if someone's going to be honest with me and bring it to my attention, I have so much more respect for them. And it's yes. a lot more long-term issues as well. So. Yeah, I agree. I also post about, I have like, I post polls on my story all the time about like dating. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, thank you. I, um, posted one about like ghosting once and it was like a 50, 50 result. It was something crazy. And I was like, no one should ever ghost. You're doing that because it's easier for you because it's like less awkwardness or whatever, but it's not actually helping the person. Cause so many people were like, Oh, well it, it's, I just don't want to hurt their feelings. I was like, Oh, you think just dropping off isn't going to hurt their feelings more than you just saying, Hey, I see us as a friendship or whatever else. So I agree with that a hundred percent. And I think most people would agree. I might do a poll on this tonight. Most people <laughs> would rather be told, Hey, I don't like you or Hey, like, like that or whatever it is. I would rather some harsh truth than just keep wondering for like a month after you stop talking to me. It's so silly in my head. <laughs> I totally agree a hundred percent. And yeah. you know, it also, you know, a lot of people think that you know, ghosting is a negative thing, but just remember that if someone cannot respect you and just tell you upfront, mm-hmm. Hey, I'm not feeling this. Yeah. That's on them. And that's, you don't want them. Yeah. You don't need them. Yeah, They're trash. definitely. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> For the other one that I actually had never heard of, um, not that I've never heard of relationship check-ins, but it's definitely not talked about. So I was like, I never did that in my past relationships. Um, but the WXYZ method about arguments. And 
I don't understand why we're, I literally have never heard of that before. And I, it makes perfect sense. I think it was, I think you might have to tell me what it was, but like, it's just like a step-by-step, like just analyzing why you're angry or whatever, and just prevents you from not being so defensive and, and actually communicating rather than just like blowing up at people. Can you remind me? I thought that I wrote it down, but I don't, and I can't remember it, but the WXYZ method is gold. Everyone please listen. Yeah. So essentially I had no idea, but this is actually from, I think it's like, it's someone's a DBT therapy where it's dialectical, diabolic, not diabolical, dialectical <laughs> behavioral therapy or something. I, I've never heard of that, but, um, but a lot of people brought it to my attention. So I do want to say that because I don't want to take credit for this, but essentially what this is, it's a way to, when you do have conflict in your relationship, it's a way to communicate that conflict or your feelings when you are upset, but you don't want to, you know, escalate the conflict. So the WXYZ method is step-by-step process where it goes. W is what's the problem. X is um, what had occurred. Y is the reason why I'm angry. And Z is a solution. And so in doing so, I talk a lot about how we can communicate with intention to, you know, take responsibility for our feelings. And the WXYZ method is a way to like take responsibility for your feelings. So for example, one thing that I did talk about on the vi- on a follow-up video was an instance of, you know, when you're out to dinner with your friends and your significant other blows up at you. And so you don't want to confront that right away, but rather you want to confront that when you are together. But mm-hmm because you are calling out someone on their behavior, they're going to get defensive and they're going to basically be like, why are you attacking me? So instead of saying, I didn't like when you did this, I didn't like when you made me feel like this. What that is doing is that it's basically making your feeling someone else's responsibility. And so when you give someone else the power to take your feelings away from you, you no longer have ownership over them. So when you basically phrase how you're feeling as in, I felt sad or angry during this conflict, you're taking responsibility for that. I don't know if I'm making sense here when I, do you want an example of the WXYZ method? Yeah, sure. Okay. W would be, I felt bad when we were talking today. And then X would be, oh yeah, X would be when we were talking earlier today. And then Y would be because you, because I was ignored when I was, you know, talking and it really for it, like, like how I'm doing right now, it really forces it makes you, you to think. think. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, it's a hard, like, it's a hard thing to do because you're kind of like, I have to like basically tiptoe around you, which is really key in this. Mm-hmm. And so, and then Z is a solution. So maybe I'll say, can we try to be more mindful of, you know, paying attention or something? Mm-hmm. And I think that, I talked about this yesterday in a video, but I think that a lot of the time when we try to communicate problems in a relationship, we communicate our feelings. We communicate the event that happened, but we never communicate a solution. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when you do communicate or approach someone, you have the intent to state your feelings, but when you only go in trying to state your feelings without a solution, it kind of leaves the state of the relationship up in the air. And I think the WXYZ method not only helps people navigate communication, it helps us be more mindful and also navigates us in a direction where we want to provide solutions to any conflict in the relationship. Yeah. And I think that what you said too, we always communicate our feelings and what happened, but we don't have a solution because I feel like we always depend on our significant other or whoever we're arguing with. Like now you're, you're going to come up with a solution for why you hurt me, which doesn't, if you think about it, like that's not logical. Like you need to figure out if what, what would make you feel better since that's your feelings that you're trying to fix, stop putting it in their hands. Like you said. And I think that ties into just putting so much pressure on your significant other in general. I feel like even in my polls, again, I have a lot of questions about just dating and, and significant other versus best friend or significant other versus family. Like, who do you call? Or do you, there was one where it was like, um, I actually did three of the same question and replaced each one. One was significant other, one was friends and one was family. And I, I wrote, if you are, oh, you saw it. Yeah. Good phrasing. phrasing. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. It was like, um, 
do you voice, do you always tell your significant other when they offend you? Do you always tell your friends when they offend you? Do you always tell family? The friends and family were like 30 to 40%. Yes. I always tell them the significant other was 70%. Yes. I always tell them. So, okay. There's a good and a bad side there. I think because it's a good thing that you're voicing it to your significant other because you're saying it, but is it because you hold them to a higher standard? So you're maybe um, bringing up petty things more often. And I think the WXYZ method could just definitely help with that because you're actually thinking, is this really necessary to bring up? But also how did it make me feel on everything else? I just, I'm always so shocked. And I definitely think I used to be like this too, but I've been single four and a half, like four years now. And I feel like I've obviously learned so much about being single and accepting my life or what it is and and not needing someone. But why do you think, or how can we fix like putting our significant other on a pedestal really? Like why are we making their relationship the number one? And I've actually also, I'm, I go to therapy and I asked my therapist, I was like, I'm single, but I want to make sure that when I do have a boyfriend again, I'm never gonna just make them the most important thing. Like, I don't, I don't know why I do it. I'm trying to figure it out, but what is your like advice to people who are putting their significant other on a pedestal and, and holding them to such a higher standard? Yeah, this is a great question. And I think that because there's a greater degree of intimacy in a romantic relationship, that's, that's true. why, yeah, that's why yeah. we want to tell them and we're more inclined to, this person knows everything about us. We get intimate with them and, you know, we're vulnerable. And so this is our safe space. And so we revert back to this default mode whenever we're with them because we feel comfortable enough to open up. Mm-hmm. Uh, this might be a controversial opinion uh, of mine and people might not agree with it, but your significant other is not your therapist. And Oh, that, I agree. Yeah. And the thing is, is that I don't think it's fair to them because while we do have the intention to open up about everything and we want to let them know about, you know, what bothers, bothers us, you know, our ambitions, our goals, whatever it may be. At the end of the day, I think this is a really one-sided way of communication because while you might want to communicate intent, they might not want to listen. And your therapist is there to offer you an unbiased opinion. They're literally trained to do this, to give you advice, to also, mm-hmm. also offer you solutions. And it's like they understand more about what's going on at a higher level than your significant other might. And by forcing your significant other into consoling you, not consoling you, but making them give you advice in a situation that they cannot speak on behalf of or they're unaware of all these different factors, whether it be someone's attachment style, whether it be that someone mm. might have a learning or you know, mental or behavioral disorder, they don't, your significant other doesn't know that but a therapist might, and they're able to better explain things as well. And so I think that we put so much vested interest in our significant other because that is a norm. Going to therapy with our generation, with Gen Z and millennials is a norm, but with boomers, it is not. And with Generation X, it is not. It's a very taboo, almost weird thing that they don't talk about. And that's, we need to just stop thinking that going to therapy is a bad thing because it's absolutely not. And I think that when you normalize putting your mental health first, this not only focuses, it shifts the idea that you're putting your significant other on a pedestal, but rather you're, they're your partner instead of they're your therapist. They're someone, you're, they're your go-to person, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that I, I used to be like this where I would tell my ex-boyfriend, my very first ex-boyfriend, everything. Mm-hmm. And that kind of wore down our relationship. And I didn't understand why until, and, and the thing is, is that when they can't offer you solutions, I remember getting so angry because I was like, why, why can't you understand me? Why won't you give me a solution? Help mm-hmm. me, fix me. I'm like, yeah. Cause you're like, you should understand me and be able to help because yeah. you're my person, but they're not your, even if you're, they're your person, your partner, they're like you said, they're not a trained specialist on your brain. Like this is not how life works. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I look back and I cringe. Cause I'm like, bro, oh, why were you? Yeah, exactly. And you're probably like, bro, why did you do that? You didn't have to say that. You didn't have to cause an argument. Could have just gone to your therapist. Like, yeah. So yeah, a hundred percent. I, I'm no one in my family had gone to therapy like when I started and I honestly, I started more so when I was feeling better, I was like depressed last year going through shit. And then I started feeling better, but it was during COVID. And I was like, I don't have all those usual outside factors contributing to my 
like mind right now. So I was like, I'm going to go to therapy to make sure that I'm okay when I get out into the real world again and COVID ends. And I think that that's also something that like no one talks about. You can be fine and go to therapy to like be okay and understand yourself better and, and make sure that you're going to be better in your next relationship or just in your own job or whatever it is. And I think that's really important and like not losing yourself in relationships too, which is another topic I wanted to talk about just because 90% of the people that voted on that poll that I had, I think it was last night said that they have lost themselves in a relationship. And I self-love is like a theme on my page. Like I just think it kind of does solve everything. And I think the definition of self-love and the way that social media kind of overplays it in a way is becoming kind of a problem because I feel like people think of it with a negative connotation now almost or or in a very extreme way. But I just think if you put yourself on that pedestal, not even on a pedestal because that's an extreme again, but like on the level of I'm going to devote this time every day or every week to myself, to making sure I'm good, yeah. that's that and or making sure I'm doing that hobby that I love, then that's going to like keep yourself present in your own mind and in your own relationship too. Do you, have you experienced that in your past relationships too? Just like feeling like you lost yourself and just like, we're all encompassed. Yeah, a hundred percent. In fact, um, in my most recent one, I definitely think I lost myself a little bit, even though I'm very independent as a person, I've done all this healing through therapy and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, when I was younger, my entire identity was my romantic relationships. And once I got out of the relationship, I realized, oh my God, I, you know, I need to find myself again. And that's an identity crisis because you don't know like who you are. That's the exact thing that happened with me. I was in a relationship from like 16 to 22. Oh my God. Wow. And it was like, well, there were two relationships, but, um, it was like one after another. And then after that next one, after that last one, I was like, I can't be single. And I got depressed. I was just like, I don't know who I am. So same shit happened to me. It's so, it's like an, it's honestly an identity crisis and you don't know what to do. And you're like, I feel lonely. I feel sad. And if anything, even like, even in my most recent relationship, as independent as I was, I found myself kind of being like, oh, I want to, you know, spend all my time with this person, but I can't because I have so much to do. And I think that, you know, this idea that we need to put ourselves first when we are single and find ourselves again is actually really isolating. Like, and I think that we're kind of looking for love in the wrong places. And I made a video about this where I talk about maybe it's not necessarily that we need to abandon this idea of love when we do become single or we put ourselves first in the relationship in order to lose our, in order to prevent losing ourselves in that relationship, but rather turning to our family and our friends as a source of love or turning to our community as a source of love. Because when you're a baby, you don't learn to love by, you know, growing on your own and going off and like doing your own thing, you learn to love by like experiencing it and seeing what having a loving figure is like in your, in your life. And that's when you develop this sense of love. Mm -hmm. And so essentially finding love in your community and your family and your friends, we don't really go to that because it's like, there's no, there's not that degree of intimacy that we might have in our romantic relationships, but also Western society has kind of made it almost a burden to turn to our family and our friends when yes. we need help. Right. And so, but instead it's more appropriate to go to our significant other. So when we break up, they're no longer there. So now yeah. it's inappropriate to go to your friends and family, but rather we just need to shift the thinking to kind of be like, I need to open up my heart to my friends and family. I need to be open and honest with them about what's going on. And also going to your therapist as well. And just kind of like being like, Hey, I need help because we don't have to lose ourselves regardless of whatever stage of life it is, Mm -hmm. but we need to just open our heart up to the idea of finding love from different, different outlets and different channels. And I think that's really important. You know, one thing I noticed is that with TikTok, we cultivated this huge community and I have never felt more at home and more comfortable in my own skin and just happy because I opened up my life to thousands of people who, you know, care about me and I care about them as well. And it's this, it's almost, it's so beautiful. And I see the world in such a more, like it's, the world is just such a more 
beautiful place, opening up my heart to yeah. that community. And I think that it, TikTok was something that like changed my life for the better. And I think that's also the reason why I'm just not really looking to date right now because yeah, yeah I feel comfortable. Because you found fulfillment and happiness in other things and other relationships. And that's another thing that will prevent you from putting them on a pedestal when you do get into a relationship is having great love with your friends and family and the other things that you do. And I'm, I'm definitely not like, I mean, you've gone viral on TikTok and that's how I found you obviously, but like my podcast is my passion project. Like that's the exact reason that you're like describing and you look so happy saying it. That's what I wanted to do with this. I was like, I just need to connect with people. I need to have that be honest. And there's just so many things that we don't talk about it that we all go through. So I think that social media with all the downsides of it being so addicting and and blah, blah, blah. It also is so amazing that we get to do things like this and like we get to meet virtually and, and we're really lucky to have the perks that come along with it. So I definitely agree with that completely. What would you say is the best advice that you've gotten and the worst in love or dating? I get asked this question a lot and I, there's like, I guess it depends on like what it comes down to, but with Mm -hmm. love, I think, hmm. If it's not a fuck yes or a no has recently just become my everything. It's <laughs> so I'm so glad that you said that. It's such a simple concept. It's a simple yeah. little sentence. And when you implement that into making your decisions, it's like, holy shit, I'm yeah. like good. Like I was, I was debating a trip earlier today and I was like, I don't know if I want to go because of this, this, and this, but it would be really fun. And I'm like, wait, it's not a fuck yes. I'm not going. <laughs> like, that's it. Oh, no, baby. <laughs> um yeah I so for love I would say it's not you versus your partner but it's you and your partner versus the world and I think in that piece of advice what it encompasses is you and your partner need to work together Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of dating relationship advice nowadays is put yourself first you know don't put your partner second and I think this just polarizes relationships Mm -hmm. and but it doesn't always have to be like that. And I, and I think the new paradigm should be that both people need to work together to find common ground because there are different ways of going about conflict in a relationship and it doesn't have to result in terminating the relationship. And just from my job, that's what I found is that there's almost a solution to everything. It just takes a little bit of education. It takes a little bit of explanation, patience, and due diligence is what I found. And I think that also that message of it's you and your partner versus the world entails that, you know, relationships are a lot of work and it doesn't romanticize the idea that oh, everything's going to be good between you guys 24-7. No, it's not. Like, you guys are going to have to work together. After the honeymoon phase, that's when the real problems come out. That's when, you know, you actually get a better idea of how you feel about your partner. And I think that a lot of people just throw in the towel after the first one to two years because that's when all those, like, feelings of, you know, butterflies and whatnot come. It's when the work starts, yeah. Yeah that's when the work starts and it's like, all right, vacation's over time to get to work. And, and I actually, that's what happened in my first relationship. Cause I felt like I wasn't in love anymore, but in reality it was, we weren't trying to work together. And also I was delusional and thinking that love was always like this passionate feeling, but it's not, it was it's, lust. Yeah. 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 And love is a very like war. It's not, it's warm and it's like comfort. And I think a lot of people don't really recognize that when it comes Mm -hmm. to their perception of love but no the worst piece of advice that I would say is I guess it probably relates to what you said how it's like against each other or put yourself first partner second kind of thing just work together yeah yeah 100% I think that all not all I don't want to make a generalization but a vast majority of relationship advice that I hate is hitting you against your partner Mm -hmm. and or whether it's like it's through deceit whether it's through lying manipulation or even abuse I think it's it's really screwed up I think it's fucked up excuse my language Mm -hmm. but I agree yeah and and I think it's so normal nowadays too which is really sad but I'm like so excited to continue to watch you even from this conversation I, I really enjoyed it um and before you go do you have time for just four closing questions that I usually do at the end of my episode 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so I asked these just kind of to share and show that most of us have the same answers to some of them and it's like normal. Um, the first one is what do you wish people were more honest about? Sex. Sorry. That's a really like, very no, that's good. Weird, not a weird answer, but very uh, blunt answer. I think that, you know, it's a, that's a very touchy topic and I don't talk about sex and my advice because I'm not really supposed to. That was like one of the guidelines I was given. Oh, okay. But when I talk to our audience, a lot of them have questions regarding how do you communicate sexual preferences or they feel very uncomfortable or they feel like they can't talk to their partner. And it's, it's really difficult. And so when you do come forward and you're trying to be like, Hey, I am not comfortable or I'm not getting there or I'm not enjoying this. That's really difficult because you're about to offend someone. Whereas Mm -hmm. it's like with just relationship that dynamics you're basically communicating a problem that you both are aware of or you might that you need to bring to light with that person or you know you know what I mean and and so it's kind of like when you communicate that there's this rather there's a there's a conflict when it comes to your intimacy that's almost like a bruise to both people's egos because it's like oh, now, like, this is something physical, and I can't change that. But I think that it's kind of trying to create an environment where you're normalizing that conversation, and I don't think we talk about it enough. So that's one thing that I wish more people were honest about. Yeah, I agree. That's an important one for sure. Uh, When was the last time that you felt the Sunday scaries, and what could help or did help you overcome them? So I actually deal with anxiety, and oftentimes what I tend to do when I do get anxious is I can't help but, like, think about this one thing in my head, and then I'm all in, and then I, like, it just spirals into this this dumpster fire. And so oftentimes what I do is a, I either meditate. I try to, I try to get into a state where I can transition into meditating, but in doing so, I try to do grounding work where I focus on like external things where I'm like, okay, five things I can see, four things I can like, Mm -hmm. you know, touch three things I can hear, yada, yada. Um, And that kind of gets me out of that funk or, you know, also remembering that, you can't really control everything. It's kind of like tomorrow's going to show, like tomorrow's going to be here. Life's going to go on. And so you kind of just have to acknowledge your feelings and, you know, let them pass. Because one piece of advice that I love, actually, here's a really good piece of advice for anyone. You're allowed to feel whatever you feel towards a situation, but you don't have to act on your feelings. And I love that. Mm, Yes. And that's what the WXYZ method helps. I think, I think that would help me so much just prevent from being petty a lot of the times. Like you can feel something, but sometimes it's just more so because of other things, not your person or whoever. That's a really good one. Um, If you can do anything right now, what would it be? And I feel like this answer has changed for people because of COVID. So it's like, do you want to just get on a plane? Do you want to like go for dinner? (laughs) That's what I was about to say. I was, say, I was about to say go on vacation. Yes. Yeah. Desperately needed. Yeah, me too. Okay. And the last one is what is one thing that you're working on and one thing that you love about yourself? One thing I'm working on is trying to be comfortable with dating again, which is like crazy because I'm a, I literally talk about dating and relationships, but I think that I have, be, like you and I have recently discussed being comfortable being single and mm-hmm making that transition from going to a relationship into being single again, and then going back, reverting it back into the relationship dynamic or whatever. It's a lot. Yeah. And and recently I was seeing someone and this was really prevalent in our relationship where I wasn't giving up work. I wasn't, you know, making time for them. And they sat me down. They're like, you are horrible at dating right now. And you were like, and I was like, damn, like that's old. And I, I was like, and I was like, you know what? You're right. Because I put work before you and I do apologize. And this was, you know, something that needed to be brought up and brought to my attention. And it kind of led me to better understand that I'm not ready. Like, and maybe that means that I need to like be comfortable with letting people in. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I do know that's one thing that I need to just work on. Um, and I am seeing another person now, but I'm I, I let them know and I'm slowly like warming up to it because I don't want to rush into anything. So yeah, yeah. that's and good. I, yeah. And I'm I'm happy with the progress that I'm making, by the way, which is good. Um, 
And then one thing that I really love about myself is I think that I just have a, huh, that's a really good question. Um, <laughs> it's, it's interesting because so many people obviously do just struggle saying something that they love about yourself and, and yeah. it's, I, I want that to change, so. <laughs> oh, you're so sweet. Um, I think that one thing that I really love about myself right now is that I see a lot of beauty in people. And I think, like, especially with TikTok, seeing so many walks of life, the fact that I can just watch a video or just see someone accomplish something or just see families reunite. Military videos are like military. Oh, or, I cry. <laughs> yeah, I cry. Yeah. It, and it's beautiful. And instead of criticizing people, now I kind of look at it. And I'm like, that's really beautiful. And mm -hmm. I think, and it brings me a lot of happiness instead of, you know, reverting to this idea of, oh, like screw them or like, you know, and I think that the, I really like that about myself because I'm just genuinely happy. I don't have anything to like, I don't have any criticism towards anyone. In fact, like I'm just more so concerned about myself. And I recognize that not everyone's going to have that same mindset, but mm -hmm. I appreciate the fact that I can look at people and admire the qualities that they have instead of feeling like I have to say something negative or mm -hmm. And I think this also goes into perspective because a lot of the time, especially working at a startup, there's a lot that can just go wrong. Shit can hit the fan very quickly. And I love that I can have a positive outlook or I can just kind of, you know, be like, you know what, this is actually a really great opportunity. So I guess I really love, what I love about myself is my perspective towards things and, you know, my ability to see the positive and, you know, a lot of things so yeah I don't know if that was a good answer I know that yes it is a good answer it is you love it about yourself that's great <laughs> no that is that's good and I'm happy that things are going well for you they seem so that's really good thank you again so much for doing with this with me all right thanks everyone for listening I hope you all have a great week ahead and remember to rate comment or review swiping Sunday so that I can make sure next episode is even better bye guys